0: Welcome to the About Sex Podcast. I'm your host, Angela Skirtu, and you can find me at www.AboutSexPodcast.com or you can find me at my website at www.TherapistInStLouis.com. Today, I am interviewing Eden Adele. She is a self-love and relationship advisor. Um, Hi, Adele. Or no, Eden.
1: (laughs) I totally screwed it up as soon as I say hello to you. Hello, Eden. (laughs)
2: No worries. I have that effect. It's okay. Ah, well you just seem
0: you seem big like a performer so <laughs> I'll take that. I'll take that. There there's definitely that element All right. Now, before we get into this next conversation, I just want to stop to give us a word from our new sponsors. So I am now working with a really cool company called Let's Get Checked. You can find them at com slash stay kinky. What's really cool about this company actually is that they're doing testosterone testing for men and hormone checks for men and women. A lot of people are struggling with hormonal imbalances and reduced testosterone levels, which really can impact your sex life. And so more and more men and women are trying to test their hormone levels to see how they're doing. One in four men over 30 are actually low in testosterone. Symptoms you might want to look at include fatigue, erectile dysfunction, low sex drive, anxiety, brain fog, even having a hard time making decisions, which is basically most of my client population. <laughs> Just teasing. But I mean, enough of you who come see me are actually really struggling with testosterone levels in your sex drive. So what's cool about this group is you can pick from either a male hormone test kit, a female hormone test kit, or an STD test kit. And what's really cool is they send it right to you in your home. You do what you need to do to take the test. And depending on what test you use, you'll either have to do a blood sample or a blood sample a urine sample. And then you send it back and everything's completely confidential. And basically, they deliver to your home, they collect your sample, they review your results for you. So depending on what happens with your test, they may provide a prescription... In some cases, usually it would only be for something like if they're treating STDs. If you do end up having something longer term like hormone therapy, then you'll likely be referred to a longer term provider. But at least you'll know where you stand. So it's really cool. Your results are available and they'll be reviewed by a physician. And then a nurse will contact you for a consultation over the phone. The Let's Get Checked laboratories are CLIA approved and everything is completely anonymous. So again, that website is trylgc.com slash stay kinky and use the coupon code stay kinky to get 20% off. So tell me a little more about what you do. <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: I work primarily with women over 40. My favorites, my peers, my love, my heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the empty nester is my favorite because she's the one who is looking forward to an empty nest but she doesn't want an empty heart.
0: Oh, I like that. And I
2: mm-hmm. <laughs> show up with my tools and tactics and techniques and tips and all those wonderful things to help her bridge the gap so that she doesn't feel like she's missing out on what is arguably the best part of her life. Mm-hmm
0: because it's single, right? She's single, so it's a time to kind of explore, and also you don't have your kids around, right?
2: (laughs) That part. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's really that part. (laughs) Yes, yes. It really makes things so much simpler because there's not that daily grind of do this, don't do that, go here, don't go there. All of that isn't there anymore. So now she's in a position where she can actually focus on herself and what she wants to do with her time and how she wants to invest her money and how she, what she actually likes doing, which is something she's very likely out of touch with.
0: So is it like focused on dating or is it like just life in general? What do you want to do with yourself now that you kind of have this free time?
2: Actually, I... I prefer to focus on the whole dating relationship aspect, just because whatever issues she's likely having in other areas of her life, they're going to show up most profoundly in her dating relationships.
0: What do you think a lot of women struggle with when they're just getting out there again? like in this in this world you're describing. <laughs> the single. I'm out to win it.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's interesting to say the least because most of these women have been in long-term relationships before. Okay. Either they were married or they had a partner for more than 10 years. Mhm. And The dating landscape has changed so much in the last 10, 20 years that it can be really intimidating to reinvent yourself and start over.
0: Oh, that makes perfect sense. Well, and also some of the women, I I don't know if you've seen this too, but I've seen quite a few women who kind of just, if they divorced or ended a relationship long ago, they kind of wait until their kids get older. Some women, because they're so Mm -hmm. busy with the kids that they just haven't had time for themselves. So are you finding that some women are struggling with like, this is what I'm supposed to do, but I've kind of devoted my whole life to my kids? Yes. (laughs) That's
2: exactly the problem because, child, I refer to them as child-centered relationships.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: If that's, that's who I'm dealing with is the mother who's done that, who accepted this role of parenthood as her primary function, mission, purpose in life.
0: This is who I am and and nothing she,
2: else. <laughs> that's it. That's all. That's why I'm here. That's mm-hmm. why I was born. It's what I, I was meant to do. You know, it, and we exalt that role so much just socially and culturally yeah, we that do. it can be easy to get caught up in that. You know, the well, if if this isn't enough to fulfill me or satisfy or soothe me, then good grief, what's wrong with me? I'm a woman. I did this part. That's what I'm here to do. Why isn't it enough?
1: hmm
0: I've seen a lot of women feel very disillusioned after all of that, actually, because she spends all that time with a kid, but they're busy. Like, they get old, and they have their own lives, and suddenly I've seen a lot of women feel like they just don't have purpose anymore, and they don't even know what to do with themselves.
2: Exactly. That's exactly where they end up for just that reason, because once you allow yourself to get so focused on your children... That you neglect pretty much anything that has to do with you beyond basic survival needs, Mm -hmm. then by the time the children do grow up and leave to start their own lives as they should
1: <laughs>
0: you know As they I mean, should. wait that means if you don't should, like, put your claws into them and keep them in your home and never let them leave
2: <laughs> that part you know if that's what's going on then you missed a memo somewhere because that's what they're supposed to do if you do your job effectively you're supposed to raise this fabulous productive law abiding individual who's going to go off and be fabulous on their own and so, make their own family and do just what you did for another generation. How do you help make their own relationships, have their own children, all of that?
0: How do you help these women find themselves then after all that? I usually start
2: with something really very basic. I, I do have a questionnaire with a lot of questions on it. But one of the questions that I like to ask is if you could spend an entire day doing only what you wanted to do, what would you do?
0: Do you find that that's an easy question for them or a hard question? Thumps them
2: every time. (laughs) Like I don't
0: know. <laughs> Every
2: time,
0: uh, you literally, know, I have to tell Every you one time. funny story about that. So I recently divorced, and I I remember going into the grocery store, and I was the first time I had to buy myself food. Nobody else, not my husband, yeah. not my child, because my child was with my ex at the time. And I remember I was walking around in a daze. And the people like watched me like they were like, Are you okay? Do you need anything?
1: And I was like, No, I'm
0: fine. But I had no idea what to get for just me. It was so crazy. Yes. <laughs> yes. And
1: that's that just groceries.
2: So <laughs> just groceries. I I cannot tell you how common. That I mean that exact scenario.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I don't know what to do in the grocery store anymore. I don't know how to shop for one person.
0: Yeah, how do you cook for one person? How do you cook for one person? <laughs> how do I leave I don't the even house? Know what I like. <laughs> so how do so you help know them, what I like? How do you ever figure it out? Because it was pretty hard to figure out. <laughs> you know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, That's part.
2: <laughs> I like to start with a little bit of fun when I get them right there. Okay. Like which which foods are your guilty pleasures? Okay. Because we have so many emotions tied around that, around what we eat and why we eat it. But if I can get them back to the guilty pleasure, then at least I'm opening the space where they can allow themselves to associate pleasure with how they nourish themselves.
0: You know what's interesting about that is that. You what you just kind of pointed out is that women feel guilty for taking care of themselves. It's a guilty yeah. pleasure, but it's actually just a guilty self care. Like That's it. Huh.
2: That's it. Exactly. We have especially after parenthood where you spend all of that time putting your family, your children, your spouse, your partner, your job, your community service. Church, neighborhood, all this stuff comes before even a time for you to meditate, time for you to journal, time for you to ask yourself the question, what makes my heart happy today?
1: Mm -hmm.
2: Just today. I don't need to figure out my whole life in this moment, just today. And the reason why I go back to these places is because. Whoever the woman is that shows up for these exercises is the woman that's going into the relationship. Mm. I have a hashtag that I use a lot that says self-love is the only love.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And that's why I use that hashtag. Because our self-love relationship is the one that we duplicate in all the other relationships that we have.
0: Do you think that women really struggle to love themselves then?
2: They absolutely do. They don't have any concept really of what that means or what it looks like in day-to-day life because they've been so externally focused for so much of their lives and they've been playing these roles over and over again, literally day in and day out for decades. They never stopped the momentum long enough to allow themselves to figure out well, what do I actually want to eat? Mm -hmm. Where would I actually like to go? What movie do I want to see? What books do I want to read? What am I interested in? What am I interested in? Not what's on the schedule for the kids. Not what has my partner committed us to, but what would I actually like to explore? What am I curious about? Where are my questions and how do I find the answers anyway? Or maybe i just get in my car and go to the end of the block and turn left instead of right.
0: (laughs) Just shake it up a little bit. (laughs) That part, you don't have
2: to rehang the universe every time you walk out of the front door. But if you just open the possibility of doing something different and open yourself to the experience of whatever that brings you then it makes it less intimidating to invite new people into your world.
0: Do you think that people kind of get stuck in comfort zones and that's why it's hard to find themselves? Oh, that is exactly why we
2: call them comfort zones. <laughs> like, But comfort is the enemy hmm. of progress.
1: Hmm.
2: For exactly that reason. Because it cuts off your willingness to explore. It's not even about readiness. It's just willingness. Like <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm kind of in this groove, and I sort of like it. So, you know, I've worked this out. I know what to expect. I've got it down to a science. You know, if, if there's a hiccup, it won't be that big a deal. I'll get around it.
0: Why do you think people stay in relationships too long? Fear.
1: Okay. In a
2: word. If if I just had to describe it in a word, it would be that, which manifests itself in innumerable ways, but mostly just fear because they've invested so much of their identity in their relationship status. Mm. So they don't have any idea what they look like without being Mrs. So-and-so or without being so-and-so's girlfriend Boo, lover, whatever they call themselves now.
0: <laughs> they keep changing that. I don't know if it's boo or bae. Every time they give me a new one, I'm like, wait, what happened? <laughs> all right. All right. Uh, I mean, they're all the cute, lady.
1: though.
0: <laughs> right.
2: They're, they're adorable. They, I tell you, they are increasingly adorable. <sighs> but they don't know what they look like that way. Particularly if she's one of those women who did the high school sweetheart thing. Mm-hmm. And she's been with the same man since high school and now she's over 40 and she has no clue what it is to engage on that level with another man.
0: So would you say kind of step one is helping them find themselves, but then step two is learning how to be in the relationship?
2: Absolutely. In that order. Okay. It has to be in that order. Otherwise, she'll get in the relationship and sabotage it. Either. She'll sabotage herself or she'll sabotage the relationship because she's not firm in her foundation, that she's okay, that she's fantastic, that she is here on a mission of with a purpose of her own. That is independent of everyone she knows, everyone, not just her friends, not just her siblings. Everyone, her children, her spouse, everyone. So, how do they sabotage it? Independent
1: purpose.
0: Yeah, well, so how do they sabotage it if they don't have their own kind of independent purpose, like you describe?
2: They will blow up a perfectly good relationship with unreasonable expectation that that relationship is somehow supposed to substitute for their emptiness. It's the relationship now becomes their reason for living, their purpose for being here, their universal, oh, I've got to get up this morning because I'm in this relationship and I've got stuff to do relative to that.
1: Mm.
0: So That is a great way to blow it up. So they just kind of, instead, maybe the first part was they were just spending all that time with their kids, but then suddenly... You know, now that the kids are gone, they just funnel all that attention into the relationship and maybe put too much pressure on it. Like you said, too too high of expectations. I was looking at one of your questions that you like questions you typically ask your clients, and one was how much alone time do you want once you're in a relationship? And I was thinking about that related to that. Maybe they would just be like, no, all my times with my partner. Instead of actually separating, like, okay, well, I want some time with my partner, but I need this other time for me and whatever that is.
2: Absolutely, and it's it's I asked that question specifically because a lot of women believe that their romantic relationship is also supposed to be their entertainment.
1: Oh.
2: <laughs> I could see that <laughs> <laughs> you know if mm-hmm. if if I'm not with my friends, who also get cut off when she gets into a romantic relationship, but that's a different discussion. You know, but it puts too much pressure on the relationship to be for you everything that all these other relationships and connections were for you. When the relationship initially ended, chances are at some point she reaches out to her friends, to her family, to people that she probably hasn't paid much attention to since she was in the relationship. Mm Mm-hmm. She might have even started exploring hobbies and interests and activities that she never would have even thought about if she was still in that relationship. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Right. And then she meets a new man. And the first thing she does is cut all that other stuff off (laughs) and focus (laughs) all her attention on that man.
0: I see it's like, eh, these hobbies were fine, but now I'm busy with a guy.
1: So right, <laughs> right. Can all go like, back. I didn't I'm really old.
2: mean that. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: I didn't really mean that. I was just, you know, kind of <laughs> hanging out until I found this man, which is what I really wanted to do.
0: And now he's supposed to take care of all my heart and joy and love.
2: <laughs> Everything. Which He's supposed to entertain me. He's supposed to educate me. He's supposed to protect me, provide for me. He's supposed to give me stability. He's supposed to surprise me. Mm -hmm. He's supposed to entertain me. He's supposed to be my reason for being here. And if I get bored, then that means I'm in the wrong place with the wrong man, and I probably need to get out of this relationship. That is the sabotage recipe. Oh,
0: Well, I could definitely see that as a saboteur recipe. (laughs) That's it.
2: The saboteur. That's the big one. That's the big one. That's the one that gets repeated most often. Hmm. in myriad different ways but it's that same basic formula once this man falls into my world I disconnect from everything else that gave me pleasure joy that held my interest that fed my brain that even fed my body you know a lot of women who will stop working out they'll they'll stop dancing they'll stop singing they'll stop sculpting painting whatever it was they were doing Physically, that actually gave them pleasure and joy. They'll cut that out, too, because it takes time away from him and whatever it is that they're doing together, because she has this notion that her function in this relationship is to be what he expects her to be when he expects her to be it.
0: So, they're just completing that same theme from the kids, which is my job, my function is to be everything for everyone else except myself. So, finding a new person is just the same thing. And dang, it sounds like dang. what you're advocating for is you know, you kind of need a whole life. <laughs>
2: like, exactly, very much. With some,
0: with some hobbies. And, and if you dance, yes. stay dancing, you know. And if he wants yes. to dance with you, cool. If not, you still dance.
2: <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> And here's the good news about all of that wonderful stuff, right? Because when someone new comes into your life and you're actually in the, in the flow of doing all those things already, all of that stuff is what made you attracted to them in the first place.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Your interest, your energy, what you were putting into all of that and what you were getting back from that was what changed your energy to make you attractive to that person in the first place. And that's why when you cut all that stuff off, the relationship suffers.
0: Well, yeah, because you're not doing the things to keep it up, essentially. I mean, that's what initially attracts you, but like, it's what also keeps the attraction going. It's exciting when people are confident or they have their own thing. And yes, it's nice to spend time with each other, but it's also... Like, it's nice to have your own thing and feel that sense of, I miss you. Like, oh, I was, I was yes. sad not seeing you tonight, but I'm glad you did something for yourself. Now, yes. do you ever find some people, though, because I, I think it probably depends on the relationship, too. But do you ever find people kind of being possessive of each other's time? Because, I mean, that could be part of the problem, too.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. And that that really is the opposite end of the same spectrum. That spectrum where on her end, she's likely to feel like, oh, my goodness, he's supposed to be my entertainment. I'm supposed to focus all my attention on him. On the other side, he could be he could be the person who's like, well, your your purpose here is me. That's why you're here. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: You're my entertainment.
0: (laughs) You're you're here to meet my needs. And see, I see That's that you you work more with here. women, but of course, men can have be guilty of the same things, essentially. <laughs>
2: absolutely, absolutely. Uh, my clients are about thirty percent men, actually.
0: Oh, <laughs> which, oh, really? Well, so there you go. Would surprise
2: me. <laughs> it would surprise me, but nonetheless, it's very true. The dynamic is definitely not gender specific. It is just a dynamic.
0: Do you find that people struggle with the dating world? Okay, so say they've done these things that you're agreeing, you're like, no, you're being a whole person now and doing what's best for you. What do you, what do you find people struggle with when they are starting to date again then, even after having made themselves awesome people? <laughs>
2: <laughs> this idea that they have to manage somebody else's emotions. Huh. The idea that they have to be what someone else expects them to be. That they, or my favorite phrase is they have to make them happy.
0: Oh, yeah, I've heard that one.
2: That (laughs) is the trap that too many of us fall into. My mission in this relationship is to make them happy. Mm. Therefore, if they're not happy, it must be something that I'm doing or not doing, something I am or something that I'm not. It's, but whatever it is, I have to fix it. Mm. And the truth is, happy relationships can only occur if the two people in the relationship are happy already. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: It's not the relationship that makes you happy. The relationship is where you come to share the happiness that you already have Mm -hmm. with someone else who has a congruent form of happiness. That's what keeps people happy. It's not the relationship itself that's making anyone happy. Mm -hmm. What's happening is two happy people who enjoy the same, similar, not the same, but who enjoy congruent, compatible, similar things found each other. I mean, why wouldn't they? They're pursuing similar, congruent things. Mm -hmm. They found each other. And they were attracted and there was chemistry and romance and all of that. So they got together to share the happiness they were already experiencing.
0: To your point, um, so somebody who kind of already has a pretty decent, happy... Um, personality, usually they know how to regulate their emotions and handle them, right? So they know, oh, when I'm sad, maybe it helps me to go exercise or go do yoga or I do better if I go for a drive, for example, like you were de- you were describing something like that, driving left instead of right at the end of a street. Yeah. But like taking that time alone to figure out how to manage your emotions and own when you're sad or happy, not like blame it on another person is a part of that, it sounds like. And then when you're in a relationship, you're not blaming it on the other person. When you're unhappy, you're just, but you've developed essentially, these are the things, the self-care things that help me get to a better space. And maybe a partner can help along with it, but it still involves you looking at, oh, this is what helps me. I do like turning left. I do like shrimp cocktail. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I don't care what it is. It's just whatever your vice is. Yes.
2: Absolutely. Yes. That's exactly why. The only people who are happy in their relationship are happy people
1: hmm. well, it so what was
2: it you- the relationship that made them that way? They were already happy when they got to the
1: relationship
0: I see so you're trying to change people's motivation to don't see this relationship as making me happy, but like I need to learn to make myself happy, and then the relationship will follow
2: perfect the relationship is the Icing. It is not the cake. The cake must be made and delicious before you ice it.
0: <laughs> now you're making me want cake, damn it. <laughs> I know, right? This is just the best stuff in the world. <laughs> so do you find that. You. Do you ever find that some people... Okay, one of your questions on here that you mentioned was how do you handle breaking up when you still wanted the relationship? So do you do you ever find that when people kind of experience that unexpected breakup that it's a little harder for them to move Absolutely. on? Or what do you see?
2: Most definitely. That's where attachment styles become more of an issue.
1: Okay.
2: So people who have anxious attachment styles or even angry attachment styles, meaning that there's a lot of nervousness and tension around the issue of abandonment Mm -hmm. or mistreatment. And this is the kind of person who likely grew up seeing that sort of dynamic in their parents. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: And they associate that with That became what love looks like to them. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: You know, right or wrong, good or bad, whether it's healthy or not, that's the groove that got driven into their brain during their formative years. So fast forward 20 years after that, they duplicate what's in that groove because that's the groove. The good news is you can always create a new groove, (laughs) but you have to be aware first that you're running in this toxic groove, So you have to be willing to create a new one. So if a relationship ends unexpectedly and you wanted to keep the relationship, if you're already the kind of person who was responsible for themselves and their own emotion before the relationship, you'll do that after the surprise. hmm You'll have a time when you're sad, upset, angry, frustrated, hurt, scared, all that stuff that normally happens after a loss because it is a loss. If you still wanted it, it registers to you as a loss. Mm -hmm. And there's an element of registering loss and grief that is physical. And there are other elements that are mental and psychological and even more elements that are emotional. And you'll go through all of those. Mm -hmm. But the important thing is you will go through them. You won't stay in them. You will go through them. And in your healing process, you will take the lessons learned and use them to make your next relationship better. Instead of making your last relationship better. That's the difference between a happy person and an unhappy person.
0: What do you think are some of the things, like the, the hurdles that people have to overcome then to become that happy person? You know, whether it's like, say they're in a relationship or, or if they are single, like what are some of the little hurdles that they struggle with to get through and become that happy person?
2: Most of them are unwilling to give themselves permission to focus on themselves. Hmm. They they just get caught up in this notion of either it's my job to make this person happy, or this is what I've always believed a relationship is supposed to look like.
0: Okay, so, so if they're that
2: not means willing. I have they're just not willing to change that. They're not willing to create a new definition of what a relationship is. Mm-hmm. And they're not willing to reinvent who they are in the relationship.
0: Well, so what happens then? They're not then? willing
2: to see themselves another way. They're not willing to, to be another way or to see themselves another way.
0: So do they stay perpetually single or something? <laughs> I'm just curious. Many
2: times. That is a, it's just a big part of the reason why we have such dismal divorce statistics.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Because people are unwilling to reinvent themselves or to rewrite how they see relationships. If they got into a relationship in their teens and 20s and they stayed in that same relationship with the same person, they expect that the relationship is the same and it isn't. The truth is that relationship has gone through mutations and changes and variations that make it impossible for it to still be the one that was originally created, nor should it be. You should not be the same person at 40 that you were at 20. If you are, you just wasted 20 years.
0: (laughs) You know, I think you have a pretty
2: good point there. (laughs) The same. You you cannot possibly be satisfied with the same life at 40 that you were satisfied with at 20. Mm -hmm. The problem is that many of us got into our relationship groove in our 20s, and we never rewrote it. Huh. We, it, we didn't evolve it. We didn't allow it to change along with us. And we got constantly frustrated because we were changing anyway. And so was our partner. So the same stuff that we did before wasn't working anymore. And we felt like we were running up against this brick wall that many people choose to label the wrong person, which is actually not true most of the time. Most of the time, it, the problem isn't the person. The problem is that you're still trying to have the same relationship 20 years later.
0: You know, I've definitely seen that, you know, where it's like they kind of met in their 20s and you want different things in your 20s than you do in your 30s, 40s, 50s, right? So if couples don't learn to grow together, you know, like think of what you, where you're at in your 20s. You don't have kids. You don't have a lot of responsibilities. Mm-hmm. Um, -hmm. maybe they're living in an apartment together, but it doesn't matter. You know, it's like, okay, we Mm -hmm. each have a little money here and there. We're good. But then as you get older and you have your kids, you want more of a partner. You want more support. You know, I've seen people who it's like they don't, they change or they don't change together or they change in completely different ways. And it sounds like you kind of need to reinvent your relationship to keep it growing (laughs) across the years.
2: Absolutely. And, and that's a very deliberate thing. It doesn't just kind of happen. Mm. That happens with couples who actually make it a point to sit down with each other. Maybe they go out together and on a park bench on a beautiful day. And they literally ask each other the question, babe, are you getting what you wanted from this relationship? How is your peace of mind right now?
1: Mm
2: -hmm. Do you feel like this is a struggle for you in any way? And do you need more? You know, (laughs) and if there is what what's going well about this relationship for you? What do you really enjoy about it? And what's giving you trouble? You know, where does it hurt? And what? Tell me one thing that I can do that would make any of it better for you. So that's a deliberate conversation. It is not something that just falls out of the sky into your lap. And it's this magical fairy dust sort of feeling that takes over you and let, let you know everything that you need to know in mm-hmm. order to get this thing right. It's a deliberate effort. And if the effort isn't made, the relationship will show it.
0: Yeah. That makes most perfect people, sense.
2: You know, most people will get into a relationship and never ask these questions. They will just assume that they're talking about the same things because they're using the same words.
0: So do you they find use- um do you find that sometimes um like I kind of want to shift a little bit for a moment into sex? Because I'm a sex therapist. This Alrighty. is the about sex podcast. Do you find do you find people struggling with their sexual part of dating? Or is that a good thing? Does it what does it end up looking like across the board from your side of things? It's
2: become a lot more difficult than it needs to be. And I think it's primarily hmm. because people are dedicated to making sex something that it really isn't designed to be. Meaning sex is primarily a a mode of communication. Hmm. It's a way that couples, that intimate couples use to communicate the level and the depth of their feelings for each other in a way that is different from every other relationship that they have. That's that's what makes an intimate relationship special, right, is the sexual aspect. That aspect belongs in that relationship and in no other relationship.
0: So how do they struggle to communicate then, since it's a form of communication?
2: Because that's not what they're using it for.
0: What are they using using it for?
2: To escape boredom. Hmm. They're using it to stroke their egos. They're using it to punish each other. (laughs) They're (laughs) using it to uh, manipulate each other into getting what they want. Hmm. They're using it for all of these things that is really not supposed to be. It, It never... It never was supposed to be that. If it was, then here's an example. Sex in its, at its most basic rudimentary form is skin-to-skin contact. Okay. With that said, it shouldn't mean much more or less than, say, a handshake. Again, skin-to-skin contact.
0: <laughs> well, but it's a pretty intimate I mean, form. <laughs> we,
2: that's, what I'm, that's what I'm getting to. That's what makes it so wonderful when it's used properly and so destructive when it's not. Hmm. That's why when it's weaponized, it can destroy people's lives.
0: I see. So you see people kind of weaponize it at, time against, at times against each other, and that's when things go awry.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. It's even in the most toxic situation. Sex happens not because the couple is trying to express their love for each other. Sex happens because somebody is trying to punish somebody. Somebody's trying to humiliate someone, degrade someone. Weaponized sex is a very powerful weapon. But sex used properly Sex used for love, sex used for communication, sex used for connection, sex used to bring people together rather than to drive them apart is also extremely powerful. That's why we have these stories and these movies and this culture all built around romance.
0: What would be an example of somebody using sex as a weapon? You know, just get an idea of what you're talking about.
2: There's a subject that isn't discussed very often, but it's actually a quite common occurrence. Marital rape. Okay. Is weaponized sex. But so is sex for a new purse. Or, I'm going to withhold sex because I know you want it, but you made me mad today.
0: Okay. So, I, I see what you're saying. So, it's kind of like either the withholding or the taking of it without someone's permission in some way is the way you kind of weaponize it. Like withholding love Perfect. or or just pushing love on somebody when they're not ready. I mean, whatever. You know, I wouldn't call it pushing love, but, you know, <laughs> like pushing yeah. yourself. I- it's like, I'm I'm showing you that I love you, but it's like, well, not if it's not between both of us and I'm not there for, you know. (laughs) Okay, that makes sense.
2: That part, it has to be mutual. Mm -hmm. If it's not mutual, it's not loving, no matter how you feel about it.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: Because if it isn't mutual, then somebody has some kind of sense of entitlement that doesn't belong to them. I don't have a right anyone else's body just because I think I want it, Mm -hmm. even if we're in a relationship.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I still
2: have to get permission for that kind of access, no matter how long we've been together, no matter how many children we have, Mm -hmm. no matter any of that. I still have to get permission to access someone else's body. Even doctors have Mm -hmm. to get consent to access our bodies to treat us, Mm -hmm. to save our lives.
0: Absolutely.
2: They have to get consent for that. But for some reason, we get into these sexual situations and we think consent is not a big deal. That it's not even an issue. Because if I want sex with you, it's your obligation to allow me to. Mm. And if you don't, I'll just find a way to
0: manipulate you into it. I see what you're saying. And then, like, on the opposite end, you know, the withholding of sex, I mean, it looks like, I mean, if you go back to learning to own your own emotions and dealing with your own feelings, it may look like not withholding sex, but recognizing what's going on for you personally, maybe asking your partner for something that you need to feel more connected to them to be sexual. Um, But when people kind of withhold sex, they don't do any of that personal work to kind of find out, who am I? What do I need? What's making me unhappy? how do I get this for myself so that I want to be sexual? They just kind of, you know, spitefully <laughs> withhold sex, which that's the thing that Absolutely. definitely happens too.
2: Okay. And it doesn't have to happen that way. It can really be fixed fairly easily. And if, if a couple is willing to rewrite, reevaluate how they see sex, how they practice sex, and the meaning of sex in their relationship, it just opens up so many doors to so much more pleasure and joy. One one specific way to do it is to take sex out of the realm of simply genital contact and make it a full body experience. Mm-hmm. Just the willingness to do that opens up an entirely new playground of sensation, of feeling of sensory stimulation, of memory making, which is really what makes good sex feel so great is the way you replay it in your mind after it's over. (laughs) The meaning that you attach to it is what really makes it so good. It's not just the orgasm. If that's the A game, then you've got more game to play.
0: (laughs) Well, Eden, I've really appreciated having you on. We're towards the end of the podcast. Is there any final message you want to send out there to the single women or men in their 40s about, you know, what you want for them in general?
2: Absolutely. Stay present, Mm -hmm. stay exploratory, and have fun. Enjoy. Give yourself permission (laughs) to enjoy yourself.
0: Uh, Thank you so much. And how can anybody find you? Feel free to plug anything you want right here.
2: Awesome. Come to my website, www.edanadelle.com, or visit my Facebook page, which is a lot of fun. (laughs) I ask a lot of questions, and the engagement is interesting. And the page is Get Back to Passion, all one word on Facebook. Enjoy the conversation. I'm there every
0: day. Yeah, I enjoy the conversation. So thank you very much for coming on the show and that we've been speaking with Eden Adele. And this has been the About Sex Podcast. You can find me at www.aboutsexpodcast or www.therapistandstlouis.com. Thank you again, Eden, for joining us and stay kinky, St. Louis.